Let's uh, pray. Father, we thank you. You're an awesome God. We thank you. You're a God who loves us. We want to thank you for Jesus coming and being born and showing us how to live. We want to thank you for the amazing miracles that were done through you coming, Jesus. And we pray now, Holy Spirit, you'll come fill this place. Challenge us, grow us, let your truth come forth. We glorify the Father in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Luke one twenty six. <clears throat> My title for today's sermon is, You Don't Have to Have It All Together for God to Use You, But It Sure Helps to Be Willing. Shortest title ever, yeah. You don't have to have it all together for God to use you, but it sure helps to be willing. Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I don't know a man. Don't you love the way the Bible sanitizes it? Because <laughs> you can't say sex in church, right? <laughs> and the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and it is now a sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. <coughs> Often when we, we look at Bible stories and we look through church history and we can look at paintings and we look at the whole thing and... And we can take people from the Bible and we sort of put them on a pedestal and we make them to be extraordinary people. But what's really amazing about people throughout the Bible is that they're actually really, really ordinary people. There's actually nothing extraordinary. Mary was just a 16, 17-year-old girl. That's how old she was. Engaged to a guy who was really an everyday guy. He was just a local carpenter. They're planning on getting married and they're living in a really ordinary place. <coughs> they're just a nice country town, small community, just going about their lives. They're really ordinary people. There's nothing extraordinary about Joseph, about Mary, before this all starts. 
except they had a heart after God. And so Mary, in this totally ordinary state, comes face to face with an angel. And she's told she's going to be pregnant, which is quite an amazing thing. And she goes from an ordinary life to a quite extraordinary one in one encounter. (coughs) And Joseph is the same. Joseph goes from being the local carpenter to suddenly being the guy responsible for Mary and for Jesus. He was an ordinary guy. I mean, he would have, you know, done his trade, learned his trade, possibly from his father, learned to be a carpenter, probably had his own failings, his own weaknesses. I'm sure when he hit his thumb, he didn't just go, oh, bless the Lord. You know, when he cut his finger, I'm sure it wasn't, oh, that hurts. You know, I mean, I had a cardboard thing the other day and I got a paper cut and that was bad enough. I was playing, um, we had a, like a family Christmas do last night and, and, and we started playing, I mean, we were playing with cards. And you ever tried holding cards with a paper cut across your thumb? It's really quite inconvenient. I know at those moments, I don't feel like saying, oh, bless the Lord. And Joseph was the same. He was an ordinary guy. Mary was an ordinary girl. But the difference is, and when we see what Mary's saying here, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse 38, she says, Behold the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. It's a hard attitude that makes all the difference as to whether God can use you or not. It's not how ordinary you are or how extraordinary you are. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. What really matters for God to use you effectively is how willing you are. You know, I know I've seen people who are amazingly talented. I know, I know a girl who is is brilliantly gifted. She has one of the most beautiful voices you've ever heard and is really gifted musically. But because she won't surrender parts of her life to God, God can't use her. She doesn't want to go through the difficult stuff to get to where she needs to be. And this is the thing, when we become Christians, often we like all the saviour part. We like the salvation bit. We like the set free from sin, one-way ticket to heaven type thing. We think that's pretty cool. We like that God promises you know, his blessing and his prosperity upon us. And that means different things to different people, but we like that God does bless us. But we don't get excited about the Lord part. Because you see, when you become a Christian, you take Jesus not just as your saviour, who saves you from your sins, but you also take him as your Lord. And when you take him as your Lord, what that says is, I surrender myself. Essentially, I die to myself and my way of living and my desires and my wants in life, and I surrender to yours, Father. That's what it is to make Jesus Lord, is to say, not my will, like Jesus said, but yours. As John the Baptist says, I must decrease, Jesus must increase. 
And he was saying, it's not about me, it's about him. It's a great thing to have at Christmas, isn't it? That we must decrease and he must increase. But the Christmas story is full of people who put aside their will, their plan for God. You know, you take the shepherds out in the field. I mean, these guys were the unwanted, the unlovely. Nobody really liked the shepherds because they spent all the time out in the field, in the dirt, with the sheep. And they stunk. Yeah, if they walked through town, you sort of gave them a white berth because you smelt them before you saw them. You know, they, they didn't have a great lifestyle, and yet these are the ones that the angels appear to because they were the ones willing and ready at that time to hear. And the angels came and they say, hey, the Messiah is born. And they leave the sheep. And they head into town. And they go to a stable. I mean, think about this. You're out there in the field, sort of dozing off, you know. Suddenly, the sky is full of angels. And their instruction is, hey, forget your livelihood and go and see some kid in a stable. And yet they went. Not only did they go, they went and they worshipped him. And when they left there, they woke up the whole town telling them what had happened. You see, it doesn't matter how gifted or talented you think you are. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. What it matters is, are you surrendered to God? Are you surrendered to God? Because, you see, the awesome thing about God is He is our Savior. And when you come to Him and you accept Him as Savior, He takes your past and He removes it. He takes your sin. And as you confess it, it says He removes it. It's no longer a part of your life. But when you take Him as Savior, you're also going to take Him as Lord that says, not my will, but your will. Let my desire become your desire. And he will start to change how you see yourself. That you're no longer a sinner struggling around the place. But you're actually a child of God. The Bible describes you as a royal priesthood. Yeah, it even uses the term gods. Do you know that? Paul uses the term gods. Now, you are not God, but what he's saying is that you actually have the power and authority of heaven given to you to use for his glory. That's how God sees you. He says, you're a joint heir with Jesus. And that's not like 50% for Jesus, 50% for you. A joint heir means you're equal heirs. That's how God sees you. But he doesn't just put you in that position so you can go, oh, this is really wonderful. He puts you in that position so that you can actually do what he's asking you to do. Because God has a plan for your life. Right back in Jeremiah prophesied it. He says, God knows the plans he has for you. And they're good plans. The problem is that we spend so much time looking at our past 
that we forget to look at our future. You know, Mary could have sat there. I mean, she did. She went, why me? And, and really, you know, how is this going to happen? And the angel sort of goes, you know what? It's okay. God's got it sorted. You don't have to worry about the details. God's got it sorted. <coughs> and so she went, okay, whatever God wants. Can you say that? Whatever God wants. Do you say that in your life? Or is it too much of what I want God to do for me? And this time of the year, we can really get in that space, can't we? You know, presents, gifts, excess food. You know, gluttony is a sin. Do you know that? (laughs) But we put aside some of these things this time of the year, and it's like, this is what I want. But, you know, as a Christian, it's not about us. Paul said it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And I guess what I really want to encourage you is to stop and take time to be with Him so He can reveal that plan to you. You know, too often we're so busy rushing around trying to make things happen our way, you know, or we just fill our lives. I'm, I'm, I think it's incredible how much we fill our lives with things like, you know, really helpful things like Facebook, you know, social media. I mean, these things aren't bad. Even reading, watching TV, they're not bad within themselves except where they come between us and hanging out with God. And anything that takes you away from God is not good. And probably the number one thing I hear people ask is, what is God's plan for my life? God's willing to tell you. But we have to take the time to know Him. Because when you know Him, you'll know His plan for your life. You'll know His purpose for your life. How do you know Him? You've got to take the time to read the Word of God. To sit down and not just, okay, I've read three verses, cool, I'm heading off now to actually sit down and read and think about what it says. Take time to worship Him. Take time to actually pray. Take time to actually listen to what He says and learn to know His voice. Because He says, my sheep will know my voice. So if you're one of His children, you will know His voice. (coughs) But you have to take the time. I really want to encourage you this Christmas to dedicate yourself to God, not just Him as your Savior, but also Him as your Lord, to hand over leadership of your life afresh to Him and to say, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. I want to do what you made me to do. Not what the person next to you was made to do or someone else was made to do. You know, it'd be really boring if we all did the same thing, wouldn't it? If we all looked the same. 
You know, we all had our hair cut the same. We'd look great if we had Hannah's hair, but you know. But imagine if we all looked the same. You know, we walk in here and go, who are you? If we all acted the same, if we all had the same gifts and abilities, we don't. We're actually wired up different for a reason because God made us a body to work together. But you know what? If a part of your body isn't working, the whole body suffers. Did you know that? If a part of your body isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing, the whole of your body suffers. It's the same in the church. When we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, in the place we're supposed to be doing it, everybody else suffers. God has a plan for you, but you have to be willing. Because he, He's not going to force you. He didn't force Mary. He didn't force Joseph. He gave them a choice. Joseph could have said, no, nah, don't care. I'm not marrying her. It's too, too embarrassing. Who's going to believe me that God got her pregnant? You know? I mean, can you imagine going home to his parents? Hey, guess what? You're going to be grandparents, sort of. Because Mary's pregnant, but it's not mine. Can you imagine that one? You know, sitting down the bar with his friends. A couple of cold ones. Yeah, Mary's pregnant. Oh, Joseph, you old dog. No, no, it's not mine. It's God. Can you imagine that? Everybody's thinking the worst. Everybody's muttering and murmuring. But he made God his Lord. Not my will, but your will. There's a cost when you do it. But for all of history, for all of eternity, we get to talk about Joseph. We get to talk about Mary. We get to talk about Elizabeth and Zacharias and John the Baptist. We get to talk about people like Peter, who, I mean, he had foot and mouth disease. The guy said the wrong thing all the time. You know, Paul, he used to kill the Christians. He was a real arrogant so-and-so. They weren't perfect, but they made Jesus their Lord, not just their Savior. And for all eternity, we talk about them. For all eternity, we talk about the great things they did because they paid the price. When you make Jesus your Lord as well as your Savior, there's a cost involved in that. You have to put aside your will, your plans, your purposes. Because he will ask of you. I promise you that. He will ask of you. But it's nothing you can't give. And it's nothing that he won't bless you through. He's a good God. And he's only asking because he wants the best for you. Because that's why he made you. That's his purpose for your life. He may be your saviour, but is he your Lord? The best Christmas present you can give God this year is to make him Lord of your life, not just saviour, and to surrender your will to him. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment just to, to really reflect on that while you've got your eyes closed.
and just to really say, where do I stand with God? And, and if you need to, to hand your life over to him, if you need to make him Lord of your life, then just do that now between you and him. Just tell him, you know what? I need to be Lord of my life too. Show me your plan and purpose for my life. Show me what you have for me to do. I surrender. And let him speak to you. Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming in your presence. Jesus, we want to thank you that you came and you were born and that you did die for us. Lord, we just want to dedicate our lives back to you this Christmas. That afresh you become our Savior and our Lord. That you show us your will and your purpose for our lives that you lead us and guide us, that you may be glorified through our lives. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.